vision without action is simply a dream. So then we need to take action. Now we, all things changed. No business plan I ever created worked out as I expected it to, but they're indispensable because you have to start with a vision. You have to start with where am I trying to go with this? And then as, as I intersected with the world and tried my ideas, some of them failed, lots of them failed, but but it didn't mean that I was a failure. It meant that I needed to change and adapt and move. Welcome to the Thought Leader Revolution with Nikki Ballou. Join the revolution. There's never been a better time in history to speak your truth, find your freedom, and make your fortune. Each week, we interview the world's top thought leaders and learn the secrets of how they built a six to seven figure practice. This episode has been brought to you by eCircleAcademy.com, the proven system to add six to seven figures a year to your thought leader practice. Welcome to another exciting episode of the podcast, The Thought Leader Revolution. I'm your host, Nikki Ballou. Boy, do we have an exciting guest lined up for you today. I originally met this gentleman just over 10 years ago, and he is a true Canadian entrepreneurial icon. He is none other than the one, the only, the legendary Frank O'Day. Welcome to the show, Frank. Hey, Nikki. Great to be with you. Great to have you here, my friend. So, Frank, it's wonderful to be talking to you after so many years, and my listener my listener listens to this show because they're looking to learn from you as our guest expert. They want to know your story. They want to know how you got to where you are. And once they've done that, they can open their hearts to you and they can really take in what you have to say and, and, and bring it alive in their own life. So tell us your backstory. How'd you get to be the one and only Franco Day? Uh, the one and only Franco Day. The run, I guess I could start with a disaster. I grew up in Montreal, Montreal West, uh, uh, got into alcohol when I was about 13, uh, drank myself all the way to Skid Row, uh, where in uh, my early 20s, I was spending uh, my life on the streets of Toronto. I was homeless, handling for nickels and dimes. Um, and uh, and every day was just uh, get, a, get enough to get a bottle of wine, share the wine, and then we would... The three of us that worked the street together, we would sit in an alleyway and um, and tell each other lies. Lies like, uh, tomorrow I'll quit drinking, tomorrow I'll call my family, tomorrow I'll get a job, tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. Tomorrow never came. We'd go back and get another bottle of wine, living uh, five guys to a room, uh, 50 cents a night, a real down and out floppos. And one day, I had enough. I don't know why I had enough, but I had enough this one day. It was December 23rd, 1971, two days before Christmas. I'm standing in the park in Toronto waiting for the guys to come out, do what we always did, when I just couldn't go any further. I don't know what I mean by that other than I felt like I'd traded off everything that was valuable to me. I had nothing left to give and nothing left to feel self-respect around. And I just suddenly realized that I couldn't go any further. It felt to me like I either had to die or change, die or change. And I heard a commercial years or months before, rather, and and it came back to me, and I realized I had to make a, different, a change. And I went to the corner of King and Young Street in Toronto, a very busy intersection, thousands of people going by, 
I stuck out my hand, and of the thousands of people, one guy walked by and dropped a dime in my hand. A dime. Hmm. In those days, a phone call was a dime. Before cell phones, of course, it was 1971. I took that dime, and I made a call, and I never had another drink. I wow. called AA, and I joined a group of folks who were sobering up, and I sobered up. And I had, I, I never forget it, you know. I went home that night, home, the flop house, and I lay on that little dirty bed, and I was full of hope, Nikki. I suddenly realized that I, too, could make a difference. I could stop drinking. And that filled me with hope. And as you and I know as entrepreneurs, hope is everything. Without hope, nothing happens. But with hope, everything's possible. Hmm. And for that moment, I had hope. And a guy had, I, I, I met a guy the night before, and he said, now here, and he gave me a whole handful of dimes. It was about 10 o'clock at night, he gave me a handful of dimes, and he said, now, Frank, tomorrow you have a choice. You can take these dimes and buy a bottle of wine, or you can take these dimes and you can call me. And if you call me, we'll get together tomorrow night, and we'll go to another meeting, and your life will begin. Or you could take the dimes and you could drink it. And thank God I made the phone calls. As I say, I never had another drink. Now, it wasn't the beginning. Uh, it wasn't sort of miraculous, although it was when I look back at it. Was, that day, it was just another day. And all the problems and issues that I had the day before were still there. Nothing had changed except my attitude. And as you and I know, again, and it, as entrepreneurs, attitude is almost is totally critical. And, and that's what I had. So my life began there, and, you know, for three or four years, I well, for the first, first six months, I was completely unemployable. Uh, my resume was panhandling and failure and a disaster everywhere, but I just went out and knocked on doors, and I finally got a job. And then one job led to another job and so on, and then all that to keep, to keep the story a little shorter, I met a guy whose name was Tom Culligan, and he and I started the second cup. And that was just a pure accident. We had no strategic plan. It didn't sort of come out of great thought leadership. It was simply uh, an opportunity that arose. We took the opportunity and jumped in, had no background in coffee, didn't understand anything about retail or coffee or selling coffee or understanding any of it. But as, as all entrepreneurs, you start and then you adjust as circumstance unfolds. And we did, and we adjusted, and we made it, and one thing led to another, and we got up to five or six stores. And then we were offered a seventh store at Eaton Center, Toronto, and and the bank said no, and they wouldn't lend us any money, and they told us to get out, and we thought we were bankrupt, and we didn't think we had a chance, but we knew that we had a business, and we kept telling the story over and over, and we finally found a new banker, the Royal, the Royal Bank at the time, and they supported us. And we grew into a, a national chain of retail stores that was highly successful. And, and all that came out of perseverance and determination and hope. As I say, the very beginning and the very end of the story is all about hope. Find something to hope for and focus on it. And by God, it'll change your life. And that's what happened to us. And we grew that. I sold that business because somebody offered us too much money to say no. And, 
then I went on and I did ProShred and I did a whole bunch of not-for-profits, Street Kids International, uh, War Child, uh, Canadian Landmine Foundation, a whole series of them. Uh, got the Order of Canada, and on and on and on, Nikki, and now over to you. That's a heck of a story. Um, and, and I know the story, but to hear it again just gave me goosebumps. Uh, and I'll tell you why. Um, so I, I've had two uncles who um, got addicted when they were young, um, and they both passed away because of it. One of them passed away by the time he was 30, and he was addicted to, to drugs and, and alcohol. Yeah. Uh, and this was back in Iran, where I'm originally from. And the other uncle, same, back in Iran, he died when he was 44. And the second uncle was my favorite human being on the planet. He was a magnificent man who'd give you the shirt off his back and would do anything for you. And not, not, not just for me as, as his nephew, but for any human being. That's the kind of person yeah. he was. And, and the, 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 the demon drink, the demon drug took him away from me and took him away from all the yeah. people that loved him and his potential was destroyed. So for, for me to hear your story about how you overcame that, it's just very heartening. And it just goes to show that that doesn't have to be someone's destiny, that they have a choice, yeah. that they can get out of it if someone cares enough about you. And thank God that you found people to care enough about you to do that. So number one, that always touches me right where I live in, in the deepest recesses of my soul. Number two. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's incredible. Number two is the story of how you founded Second Cup is also incredible because if there wasn't Second Cup, there would be no Starbucks, right? That's right. We were the nine years ahead of the Starbucks. So you're right. We we uh, we created an industry. Uh, when we started the Second Cup, uh, our only competitor was uh, Tim Hortons. But in those days, Hortons sold donuts and in Silvery, they sold coffee. Uh, coffee was purely an ancillary. And in fact, in every restaurant, it was an ancillary product. If you had a restaurant, you had to have coffee as long as bread. And it was terrible stuff. Uh, uh, our competition was uh, instant coffee. I mean, it was just terrible. The coffee consumption when we started Second Cup was declining at 14% a year. And the reason it was was that it was just very poor quality stuff. And uh, young adults weren't drinking coffee anymore. They were switching to soft drinks. The whole industry was moving away from coffee, and when Second Cup started, it kind of revolutionized that. I don't mean to brag in the sense that it was, you know, my idea or anything. It was just more luck than anything, but mostly what we did was provided a really important difference, and that was it was now seen as a uh, almost a treat, something that, you know, stop a moment, have a lovely cup of coffee, and move on with your life, and, and that's what happened to the Second Cup. It was really, I mean... I don't want to take much credit for it. It was mostly accidental, and boy, did it take off. And we sold coffee like there was no tomorrow. I'll, I'll never forget the lineups. We had a store at Commerce Court, which was a huge risk for us. I mean, Commerce Court, we'd always been in shopping centers. We opened at Commerce Court, which was an office tower. No more Saturdays and Sunday sales. It was just simply Monday to Friday, uh, 7 in the morning till 3 in the afternoon. We thought we'd lose our shirts. It was the most productive store in the whole chain. I mean, the lineups were unbelievable. And that was about a change of the whole environment. As I say, we created that industry 
and uh, coffee consumption from declining at 14% a year is now, and still after many, many years, is increasing. So, yeah, I, I think we had a decent impact. It was great fun, and we had a lot of fun doing it. So, I remember when I first met you, you did a talk, and I think uh, I think Royal Bank had sponsored a series of talks, and I think you were you were doing that. That's how I met you. I met you through through my then wife, Heather. And you told the story of some decisions you made, some very powerful decisions that really helped take Second Cup from a startup to being a national chain and, and, and the inspiration for Starbucks. Would you mind sharing that with our listeners? Sure. I, I'm trying to, well, it's been a long time since I did that speech. So I'm not sure exactly what I said back there, but, but you know, the, the decisions were tough. And and really, for an entrepreneur, the thing that, and I presume there's entrepreneurs listening to your show. Uh, exclusively, Nikki, but, exclusively. Um, <laughs> so so the challenges are this, you know, and and I know that you're going to ask me what are the three things, but I'm going to probably talk about them as you go. The, you know, as I as I first as I said first, the first thing you have to have is hope. Uh, without that, nothing happens. So hope is absolutely critical. I sort of have a little mantra that I even use today, which is hope, vision, action. Hope starts everything, but then it allows me to have a vision for where I might want to go for me, my family, my community, my world, whatever it is, some kind of vision of something better than it is today. And, and then vision without action is simply a dream. So then we need to take action. Now we, all things change. No business plan I ever created worked out as I expected it to, but they're indispensable because you have to start with a vision. You have to start with where am I trying to go with this? And then as, as I intersected with the world and tried my ideas, some of them failed, lots of them failed, but, but it didn't mean that I was a failure. It meant that I needed to change and adapt and move. For example, we opened our first store it was Scarborough town center and we, ordered coffee in. We knew nothing about coffee, so we got the cheapest coffee that we could get. We, it was Arabica. It was still a high-level coffee, but it was. Uh, uh, we quoted it. We got the best price, of course, and we brought it in. And in those days, the coffee came in five-pound lined paper sacks, paper bags. And, and on the outside of the bag would be stamped Colombian or Mocha or Java or Kenya or something. And we would stick those in the appropriate bins that we had labeled and 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 opened the store and and uh the store was long hours so we had to hire somebody and fortunately we hired somebody who knew somebody something about coffee and that 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 lady came in and she took one look at the bean she said oh they're all the same bean the guy just changed the stamp he didn't change the coffee he just changed the stamp we didn't know we knew nothing so we had to learn our business and the only way you learn your business is to get into the field and learn your business. We made tons of mistakes, but we made the adjustments. And so hope, vision, action. Hope, vision, action continues to be my mantra today. And, and as I build my businesses today and I keep doing it, as I can't seem to give up on these things, <laughs> uh, hope, vision, action keeps doing it. So, you know, first you need to have hope. Second, you need a vision. And third, you need action. And the action means be flexible. 
don't be determined that you know everything because I certainly didn't, and I doubt that your listener does, especially if it's a new business. New business, by definition, means you need to change and be flexible and keep adjusting until you until you get it right. And even then, when you get it right, they'll be wrong, and you, you still need to adjust. That's what business is. My dad once told me business is one damn thing after another, and it sure is. Uh, nothing ever worked out perfectly. So that's, uh, that's the stories about my second cop and whether it was the second cop or pro shred or today I'm in the personal protective equipment business and I'm in uh, construction business and I'm in a really interesting project called local leaf which we grow vegetables and uh, herbs in a closed environment which is a terrific business local leaf and deliver our our products to the stores within hours of picking so it's always fresh I mean just a terrific business I'm also in the seniors re- uh, uh, residence business uh, retirement living business, which we're building big projects in, in, in Halifax. So lots of things going on, but all startups, all uh, focused on what's my vision? First hope, what's the vision? What action do we need to get there? And then be ready to make adjustments. I remember when we, we were looking for money for the second cup uh, to expand our business, we, we simply couldn't find any. And and it, and it was just really, really, really difficult until we figured out how to franchise. And then, oh, there's a way. And then we began to franchise. Now, it's easy to look back and say, obviously, that's the way to go. But in those days, we had to learn. We I knew nothing about franchising. So I had to learn about that, too. And we learned and we franchised. We got hundreds of stores. And, you know, it worked out. But But it's all about being flexible, adjustable, and keep focus on the vision. No, I, I remember hope, vision, and action, and I wrote it down again. It's it's, it's a wonderful mantra. Um, what I remember you shared in that speech was you, you talked about a decision you made to offer samples, and then you you and Tom decided that you were going to actually sell the samples and that you were going to sell That's them right. for a premium price. And there was like three decisions in one right there. Hey, let's offer samples. Let's sell the samples, <laughs> right? So that's second. And the third was let's sell them for a premium price. And and you told me uh, in that speech, not just me, but everyone in the audience, that wow, lo and behold, that worked. Well, not only did it work, uh, thank you for reminding me, uh, uh, Nikki, not only did it work, if we had have done the reverse, and we had have done what was logical, which was which would have been to try to underprice our competitor. Now remember, here's the environment: we're in second, we're in the uh, in in the food court in Scarborough Town Center. So everybody around us is selling coffee. Everybody in the food court has coffee, and all of them are in those days, believe it or not, twenty and twenty-five cents a cup of coffee. Now, we could buy our coffee cheaper because we were buying it in bulk. We could have, uh, our, our space was smaller. So logically, we could have sold it cheaper. So our, we could either take the approach of trying to dominate the market and, and sell it cheaper and try and, and try and take the business away from others, or we could premium price it. If we had sold it cheaper, we would have just simply been a cheap coffee store. Yeah. By selling it as a premium, we now changed the business. It was a critical decision. I can't express how important that decision was. If we had have decided to sell it at a dime a cup, we would have sold lots of coffee, but we would have had one store. But because we premium priced it, we created an entire environment and thought process and experience for a customer that if we had the same coffee, if we had a charge a dime, the experience wouldn't have been there, but because we charged 35 cents, 
a dime higher than anybody around. We created an experience and people came to us for that experience. And today people are spending four or five bucks for a cup of coffee. It's not about the coffee. It's about the experience. Yes. Yes. And that was what made second cup fly and and starbucks basically copied that same model and that's what allowed them to really Absolutely. be successful as well and it, it was a genius level decision it, and I, I i gotta tell you for some of the services in the company this that i have that we offer which tend to be like speaking engagements and and uh, coaching and peer groups and so forth we made a conscious decision to do premium pricing and create events now these days you can't do live events because of the pandemic and so forth but we did really high level events uh, with phenomenal experiences, and that's why we were able to sell them for you know ten thousand dollars a pop versus trying to sell them for two hundred dollars and packing as many people in the room as possible. So it, it, it's a wonderful decision that's inspired a lot of people. Absolutely, and, and Nikki, as you as you point out, it's important to support the price, though. So so if you premium price something, you also have to provide a premium product. You can't premium price of cheap product. So you have to have a product that works. So you have done that in your business. We were doing that in our business, premium price. So, you know, there's two approaches to, to any business, either come in and, but anybody can be cheaper than the other guy. I mean, you can just do that, but, but then your margins disappear. And before long, it's a race to the bottom. We had that exact experience at a company I invested in and became president of and was a disaster. There were too many uh, people, too many competitors, everybody uh, reducing their price until nobody was making any money and everybody went broke. I mean, it was a disaster. Um, so it just, you know, being cheap doesn't necessarily help you. Understanding the value proposition you have and then pricing it accordingly is critically important. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think that's really, really well said. And in, in these times, it's also important to know how to pivot in business, right? I mean, we've done live events inside of our companies, and live events are not a thing right now. Uh, so our right. entire business model uh, is changing. One of the things that we're doing right now uh, is we've created a, 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 a an offering for private clinic owners. There's a lot of companies that uh, are uh, run by doctors who are naturopaths, dentists, uh, physiotherapists, uh, chiropractors, et cetera, et cetera. And these are really yep. good people who are good at what they do, but they maybe haven't necessarily had a ton of business training. They don't necessarily know how to run a business. And my better half, Teresa, she spent over 20 years uh, running clinics in a bunch of different industries. So she really understands exactly what it takes to help people in that space turn their practice into a bit more of a business and so they can step away from it, even not have to work so hard and create a legacy with it. So at some point, you know, if they decide they want to retire, they can sell it or, or maybe even grow it into multi-location chains. And so we've got a program right now we've created for them that doesn't rely on events. And that's one of the things I'm focusing on between now and the end of the year is to really try and get some traction for this message because these folks need the help, especially post-COVID because COVID meant that for three months they had no income, basically, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. The world has shifted dramatically and it's a real opportunity for entrepreneurs such as yourselves. In our our case, we discovered that we had contacts in China, was able to provide masks to the Canadian government and others. So... So it, it's it, you know it's an opportunity it's an opportunity for entrepreneurs to see there's a different thing happening and we need to get in front of it 
I don't know what it is. I mean, I don't know the next good idea. If I did, I would do it. But but I do know there's a new idea out there every minute, and and there and your listeners may have it. So share your ideas, share your thoughts, make sure that you figure out how to do it, and do it. Don't be afraid. And and that this is another thing I sort of learned. You know, if you have an idea, don't be afraid to share it. Nobody's going to steal it. I mean, lots of people tried to steal the uh, the idea of a second cup and failed. It's, it isn't about stealing. It's about expanding. It's expanding your, your network and your thought process and let other people in and make some changes, be adaptive, figure out how to do it, and then do it. I mean, not everybody's going to work. God knows. I've had lots of failures. But, but it's a beginning that you, you, you've got to share with everybody your ideas until you get it right. Uh, so I, I congratulate you on, on, on shifting your focus from live live. Uh, programs into some sort of a virtual program, I'm sure. And and yeah. those are the things that have to happen. We all have to do it. I'm I'm just delighted I'm not in the airline business, I must say. <laughs> what I would sure. do with fifty billion dollars of asset parked. But but uh but there's a, there are there are answers. We you know it takes time and not everything's gonna work as I say, but you but god damn it you gotta get out there and Bad away. <laughs> you, you do, you do, 100%. And the whole P, uh, PPE b- business that you've gotten into, I think that's a fantastic new business to get into. And I've been thinking about some other businesses to get into. I've got a uh, a fellow who's uh, who was a landlord of mine who's a very successful businessman. He's very, very private. He doesn't like a lot of publicity, but he, he does extremely well in about six or seven different industries. And the yeah. industry that he and his family started in was the food business. And we were chatting and he, he said to me, look, I've been meaning to, to have ask you to come in and meet with me because I wanted to tell you you're a really smart guy, but I think you're in the wrong business. You know, helping people's great, but you want to be in a business that's got a potential to be built into something wonderful. And I go, yeah, you're right. I do want that. And so we started to chat yeah. about it and he's been in the food business. And I thought, you know, you remember me from back in the day. I was in, in the whole kind of fitness and healthy eating world. Yeah. And I thought, you know, it'd be really cool to get into some good organic foods. I mean, that's a business which is always going to have a demand, right? People are always going to need food. People are always going to want to eat healthy, especially now with uh, the whole pandemic happening, they're more concerned than ever with doing things that are going to strengthen their immune system and their ability to fight off disease. So, you know, that's something we're looking at. I think it's it's a beautiful thing to to have um, uh, ideas like this and, and pursue them. Yep, absolutely. And the opportunity is unlimited. It's just a matter of figuring out what to do and then having the courage to do it. It's back to hope, vision, action. First of all, then the vision, then take the action. And don't be afraid. Keep going. Uh, many people told me the second cup was nonsense. Pro Shred was nonsense. Never work. And those guys are still doing whatever they're doing, but they never became entrepreneurs. An entrepreneur sees an opportunity, does it. Sometimes it works. Oftentimes it doesn't. But that doesn't mean it's the end. It's the next one that you're going to make. And it'll work. You know, you just keep trying. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a beautiful thing. I'm, I'm, I'm loving this I mean, conversation. I'm, you know, I'm 75. I'm starting new businesses every day. I mean, it's just, it's just crazy. <laughs> I love you. But I love it. I mean, I can't. I can't stop. I, I love it. Uh, and and I wouldn't know what to do with myself if I. I mean, just this simple example. You know, I, I we have a uh, construction business in Brazil where I'm a very major shareholder, and one of the things we do is we import stuff to Brazil for the construction industry out of. China, so that gave us connections, and when PPE happened, we were able to 
convert those uh, connections into people who had connections with uh, mass manufacturers and and sold yeah multi millions of masks into uh, the Canadian and various provinces in Canada and just simply because we said yes just simply because we said yes let's try it let's try it yeah it's terrific it, it is you terrific. know it's just 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 say yes to life. I love that. Oh, I'm going to steal that. That's good. Just say yes to life. I I, I interviewed Mark Victor Hansen. You may remember him because he and Jack Canfield created the Chicken Soup for the Soul series of books. And, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, really interesting guy. Actually, I, I interviewed him twice on two different subjects. But he wrote a new book with his wife called Ask the Bridge from Your Dreams to Your Destiny. And his wife's name is Crystal. And this is a lovely book because, you know, he encourages you in this book to ask more questions. He said, ask yourself, ask others, and ask God. And the whole point of asking others has been something that I kind of decided to experiment with because, you know, there were so many people stuck in negativity around, oh, my God, it's terrible time, blah, blah, blah. I haven't got any business. I've just been, I've been hearing that a lot. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to do a challenge. So I did a fitness challenge. I did 350 push-ups a day for 30 days, which is about 10,000 push-ups. And I did that. And I decided, oh I'm going to do, yeah, it's, 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 you know, Frank, it sounds like a lot, but honestly, if you do them 10 at a time, you can do it. <laughs> you know, you can do it. <laughs> you you yeah. know, as long as you don't try to do 350 in a row, it's doable. And, so really? then I decided, you know what, I want to go out there and I'll do a, a, a challenge and I called it 30K in 30 days. So I wanted to sell $30,000 worth of coaching services in 30 days because we hadn't done that since the live event stopped. And I, I rushed to do right. it and I started to invite some of my clients and say, hey, join me. It's part of the service. And I sold, I sold it as a program to a few other people. And here's the most amazing thing that happened. Three of the people that are part of this challenge have not made more than $10,000 a month since the pandemic hit. Some of them a lot less than that. And these three have already hit 30K in less than 30 days just from taking on the power of asking. And it's it's a wonderful thing when someone says yes to life, as you put it. Yep, the power of asking. I like it. It it is. I mean, let's, let's just reach out and ask. Yep. Yeah, you got nothing else. I mean, I asked you to come on the show. That's how come you're on the show. <laughs> it's that simple. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and 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 I I you know I've got uh, I've got this new company that I'm looking at at, at putting together. Uh, I asked this fellow who's been in the food business to help, and uh, at some point I'm going to probably reach out to other people in my network and say, hey, we we've got X, Y, and Z, and 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 see if we need to raise some money. Then I'll go go raise some money, and it's all it, it all comes through from asking. So, Frank, switching gears yeah, for a bit. Switching gears for a bit. Tell us a little bit about some of the companies you're involved with right now. Yeah, all right. Um, well, I, I mentioned Local Leaf. Local Leaf, uh, we grow, we do vertical farming. So we grow fruits, or vegetables rather, and herbs in a 5,000 square foot or 7,000 square foot warehouse. The idea is... We have a controlled uh, atmosphere, so we have a crop every three and a half weeks. We deliver to Loblaws and other stores within 
hours of picking, so it's always fresh. There's QR codes on everything, so a customer can, with their phone, know when it was seeded, when it was planted, when it was picked, when it was lost, when it was delivered. We have chain uh, blockchain technology that allows for our um, clients to know when uh, products are, are being sold and at what time of the day, and we can organize around when to deliver bok choy for a particular store at a particular time because on Wednesdays at 2, they tend to send us uh, have more, so it's always fresh. Uh, so that's one of our businesses where we have two locations, one in Barrie and one in Kingston. We'll have 20 or 25 across the country. It's a terrific business, and as you pointed out, everybody's looking for fresh food it's always growing hydroponics so it's a it's a yeah it's a terrific it's a terrific product it's it's doing nicely we're in the uh, insulated concrete form business in in brazil which is a terrific market for insulated concrete forms we're we're going to change the way businesses uh, our construction is is working in brazil it's a terrific product so we're doing that we're in the seniors residences in uh, in halifax uh, we're in the uh, PPE business uh, in Canada, but uh, I'm just uh, working on an order for a billion gloves uh, in the U.S. Uh, don't know if I'll get it, but I'm working on it, so that's going ahead. Uh, uh, and then we're we're putting together a fund, a $30 million fund, uh, for people who'd like to invest with us. Uh, we have four really good investments, all of them global. We can take the uh, senior residences to both Brazil and China, uh, so we expect to be global in that sense. Our, uh, and and all of the other businesses have a global outreach because we're already operating in China, uh, Brazil, Canada, uh, so we can reach out into those communities. Brazil is 220 million people, terrific market, third largest constru- construction market in the world after China and the U.S., terrific market. So we we're expanding rapidly in those areas. We'd like to see if there's other investors like to come along and and join us in this global reach. So that's uh, that's what we're doing. Um, as I say, enjoying every every minute of being an entrepreneur. And Nikki, as you would know, I love it, man. That's awesome. That sounds fantastic, <laughs> incredible. So um, I'm I'm assuming the fund is for uh, accredited investors and folks like that. Yeah, of course, absolutely, sure. So, yeah, we'll have that fun going, and uh, I think we'll be on the street mid-September, end of September, something like that, looking for funds. Uh, I, I think it has a huge opportunity. You know, most funds are sort of local or, or national rather than, than global, so I think we have a real uh, uh, competitive advantage in that area, uh, folks looking for diversification. I think I think we have a real opportunity, and the and the markets we're going into are just kind of unlimited. You know, it's really interesting. Halifax, uh, Halifax, where we're doing our um, our seniors' residences, uh, is so underserved. Uh, it is unbelievable, and the people have just sort of ignored the the Nova Scotia market. The 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 the, the data shows that the, the demand is just unbelievable there so so it's a real really great opportunity and and we're um, we're we're looking forward to getting that off the ground and then uh we already have them in ottawa so this is our our team is terrifically experienced so uh that's what we're doing and 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 but 
you know, uh, in Brazil, the demand is even greater, and in China, it's even greater than that still. So we have lots of opportunity to grow, unlimited growth. You know, there's someone I, I, I ought to connect you with who uh, has had a ton of experience um, in that industry and, and growing it. Um, uh, I'll chat with you about it a bit offline. He's he's a terrific guy. He He's run a bunch of REITs, and then he um, – he, uh, uh, he got out of that business to become an entrepreneur for the first time rather than the CEO of a company. And, and he, he built and grew a, a senior's residence company uh, and sold it off. Wow, that's right now, sir. What's up, Hundreds of millions of dollars. Really, really cool guy. Awesome. Yeah, I love it's it. It's terrific. Yep, 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 yep. So, so the business is there. If, you want, if you're an entrepreneur, there's always business available. So uh, there's all kinds of great ideas, many of them in your own head. Just as Nikki said, share, talk, ask, be with people. You know, you, nothing happens if you don't get out of the basement. Well said. Super well said. As I was saying to a guy the other day, you know, you can read as many books on swimming as you like, but until you get in the pool, nothing happens. <laughs> That's true. That's very true. But you know, yeah. books can be a great way to learn. And you've written a couple of oh, great yeah. books. Um, I, yeah, I, your, your books are great, but but you got to get in the goddamn pool. You do, you do, you do. Uh, hope, vision, action, right? You you got to have hope. You got to have the vision, and you and you got to take action. Yeah, I, I wrote a book when all you have is hope, because as I said, hope is the is important thing. Uh, it's been a great book. You know, I sold uh, you know eighteen thousand copies, which is pretty good in Canada. Uh, it continues to sell. It's been on the market for ten or eleven years. I think it's been a terrific thing. But but you know it, it was it was fun to write. I mean it's just it's just another opportunity to share uh, hope with other people, and that's 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 what I'm about. You know, just trying to help others, just trying to make a difference. You know, I think all of us have a common mission, and that is that when we die, we want to know that our life meant something, that we made a difference. And and Nikki, that's exactly what you're doing with these podcasts, and that's what I was doing with my book. And it's just just try to make a difference. It really doesn't matter in the end what people think. It's 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 did I did I make a difference? And I have I don't know about you, but I have you know three people that I've met in my life that I kind of keep on, if you will, a pedestal. They they're folks that I would really like to be like, you know, and and. And they're my vision for myself, if you will. If I, I, I think of them as as terrific people, and if I could just be nearly as good as either any of them, uh, I will know that I've made a difference. And and they're my sort of lodestone, my my compass rose, if you will, that says, you know, what would they do in this circumstance? And and I try to do that. And and you know, it served me well. And and. I, I, if I had any advice, I would say find somebody that you really admire and try to emulate them. You know, be yourself, of course, but emulate their values and their principles. And and uh, and one of those guys is David Johnson, who was the former Governor General, and I came to know him very well. And and I just have the highest regard for he and Sharon, his wife, who who in my in my wife says it best when Nancy said, you know. They were Canada's grandparents. They were they, like they were the grandparents to everybody. The, the kind, thoughtful, brilliant leaders that they were uh, and they are. Uh, they're they're wonderful people. And I have you know two others that people won't know, but but they're they're people that I met. Uh, geez, 
they really represent Canada and what Canada can be and how uh, we can contribute to this world. And, and they're, they're, we're wonderful people. And I, and I, I would encourage anybody to have those kinds of, and not so much mentors because I don't speak to them every day, but they're sort of rest in my mind about how I'd like to live my life. And, uh, and, and I thought that was, that, that's been a useful experience for me in any event. I love it. I love it. My father um, just passed away uh, a couple of months ago, and he's always been my hero. He's a man who um, uh, uh, grew up in uh, a country where he was definitely an ethnic minority and faced a lot of discrimination, and yet he he built himself a very nice company. Uh, and uh, his proudest boast to me always was, you know, son, we, we helped feed 51 families, ours and the 50 employees that worked for him. Yeah, and, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's important stuff. It is very important. And and yesterday I, 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 was, I was sitting in bed and I was thinking about why I do what I do. And, and if you don't mind, I, I, I wrote a little manifesto about why our company does what it does. And I said, we stand for you, the entrepreneur, your society's greatest hero. We exist to help you win in business and make your dreams come true. We stand for our system of government, liberal democracy, where men and women are free to think, choose, and speak up for the values and ideals they hold dear. On this, there can be no compromise. We stand for our economic system, which is free market capitalism with a social safety net for those who temporarily or permanently need our help. We stand as humble yeah. servants to our creator, here to do his will. Entrepreneurship, political freedom, economic freedom, and faith. That's what we're all about. It is about. That's right. That's well said. Thank you. Thank it's you. Very well said. Thank you, Frank. I was just reading a book uh, by my by David Johnson. It's second or third book, or many books. I don't know. But and and the name the the title of the book is Trust. And well, you read your manifesto. I was thinking about that trust. And trust begins with trusting our democracy, and and certainly in the comparison of our response to the COVID disaster and the U.S. one, uh, I'm pretty happy I'm a Canadian. I, I don't mean to be critical, and I'm not, but I, I just think I'm so grateful to this country and to the leaders that we have. Uh, don't always agree with them, but by God, they've grown a hell of a country, and I'm very proud to be a Canadian and proud to be part of this. So thank you. Yeah, no, you, thank you for saying that. Amen. Amen. It's, uh, it, it's, it's, it's a beautiful thing to be a Canadian. I'm very proud to be a Canadian as well. And I'm, and I'm proud to live in a free country and, and long may we keep it that way. <laughs> so Exactly. Indeed. No. So we like to end off each and every single one of our uh, interviews by asking you as our guest expert, what are your, Top three, what we call expert action steps, or three best pieces of advice that you recommend our listener take on in their life or their business. So, what do you say? I've already sort of covered all that in the in in our conversation. But to sum up, hope, vision, action. So, hope is always the most important thing. Without that, we go nowhere. Vision. Then you have to create some sort of sense of where you're going, and then take the action and be ready to adjust. I think those are the three things that are that that have stood me well all the way through persistence, all those things that an entrepreneur needs to be, have the courage of your conviction. So hope, vision, action. I don't know what else to say, Nikki. Those are the things that make me make it work for me. 
No, that's well said. I like it. I love that mantra. I'm, I'm, I'm going to share that today. I think it's a beautiful thing to share. Uh, and of course, I'll give you full credit for it, but it's wonderful. I really, really enjoyed having this conversation with you again, Frank. Please come back anytime. Uh, I'd love to hear about the things that you're doing, and, and uh, I'm going to stay in touch, and please do the same. Um, please do, Nikki. Talk to you soon, and, and to all of your listeners, uh, just journey on, man. It is, it is a terri- it's terrific out here. Uh, wouldn't have had it any different. As somebody once said, uh, I've never worked a day in my life. Because if you're enjoying what you're doing, you're not working very hard. And that's <laughs> how it feels to me in any event. No, God God bless your heart for saying that. God bless your heart for saying that. So, so listener, um, Frank has given us some fantastic wisdom. I highly encourage you to go pick up uh, his, uh, his book, When All You Have Is Hope. Uh, and I think you wrote a second one too, right, Frank? Yeah, but that's out of print. Uh, so all you have is obviously uh, is the one that's is, in print. Okay, that's, that's print. a good one. Yeah. I tell you what, when we when we start okay. having um, when we start having live events again, I'll, I'll call you up and, and and order a few and send them to you to sign them for our clients. Okay, that that I think would be a beautiful thing. I'd love to do it. That'd be perfect. Awesome, awesome. Have a great day, Nikki. Thanks very much. Oh, God bless your heart, Frank. God bless your heart. That wraps up another exciting episode of the podcast, The Thought Leader Revolution. To find out more about today's incredible guests, the one and only Frank O'Day, go to thethoughtleaderrevolution.com. Check out in the show notes. We'll have the name of the book and a link for how to pick it up at Amazon. And go check him out and all the amazing businesses that he's involved in. This man is a great Canadian icon and a true entrepreneurial icon. Until next time, goodbye.